listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, I w- you're going to want to take notes today. This is something that will help you for the rest of your life. And um, I'm going to cover seven things this morning in this broadcast that scripturally, they are elements of the Christian life that will cause you to excel and be promoted um, in any area of life, your ministry, your business, your career, whatever it is you might be doing, uh, these will actually demand promotion. One of the things, and I'm sure you can identify with this, one of the things that's frustrating in today's society is how many people do not care at all about excellence. I mean, throw a hand in the comments if you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's almost like you can't find good help anymore. You go to a restaurant, people don't care about their job, and there's just like a lack of excellence pretty much anywhere you go. God wants you to work as though you are working for him personally. Even though you're working for a boss, even though you've got a career, you might run your own business from home. But the Lord wants Christians to work as though we are working for him personally. That's how we should live. That's literally how we should conduct ourselves in our lives as we move forward in excellence. My mind is this. I am working for the Lord. It doesn't matter if I'm working at a job. You know, I remember when I was um, working for MasterCard when I lived in Oklahoma. And uh, for a couple of years there, I worked for MasterCard. And I was actually in the the collection center. Some of you have heard me tell stories about it. But, you know, I worked probably 50 to 60 hours a week, even when I was in um you know, even when I was in Bible school going to class, I'd still work 50 to 60 hours a week for MasterCard. Well, one of the things that happens, obviously, if you're working 50, 60 hours a week, you get tired. Obviously, you get tired of it. And I remember we'd have to do all of our, we'd have to do all of our normal shifts. And then we'd come in and we would, we always be required to do an early, early morning Saturday shift because of the way that law, the laws work. There are certain states that you can't call at certain times. And so we'd have to call some of these states on Saturdays. So we'd have to come in early, early Saturday morning. And you don't feel like doing that. So one of the things, and of course, also to be a witness, not everybody that was on the job. I had a few Christians working with me, but not everybody there's a Christian. And so obviously you want to be a good witness and you always want to have a Christ-like attitude and show excellence. Well, you come in, you're tired. You're, you know, you've been going hard all week, plus school, plus everything else. You don't feel like coming in and being full of joy and peace and love, but you have to make a decision. The boss that I'm answering to in the natural is not truly who I'm working for. I'm working for the Lord himself, working for the Lord. If I'm a Christian, everything I do, I do it as unto the Lord, right? So I want you to start with this in mind today. And I want you to put it in the comments first thing of today, and it's not one of the seven, but it needs to be our foundational mindset. Everything I do, I do as unto the Lord. That's the first thing I want you to write down. Everything I do, 
I do as unto the Lord. Doesn't matter what it is. Because remember this, we are his representatives. We're his ambassadors. Here's our friend, Mandy Buckingham Burgess. Good to see you on today. Zach Ramsey. Zach was with me in uh, Ohio. Love you, buddy. Appreciate all your help. Everything I do, I do as unto the Lord. That's key. That is absolutely key for us to understand as a foundational principle to set this up today. Because when we move forward in life, business, ministry, whatever we're doing, this is the thing that drives us to never slack off. This is the thing that drives us to push for excellence in everything we do. We push for excellence. And so every aspect of our life should be excellent if we represent Jesus, right? And watch this. The excellence that we portray will actually gain the recognition of those that work around us. The excellence that we portray will gain the recognition of those around us. So what I want you to catch, and we'll start from here and I'll, and then I'll break, break the seven down for you is if we go back to the old Testament, to the book of Daniel, and I want you to go there with me, the book of Daniel. And, um, I want to show you how God used his own children. This is very important. God used his own children, even in a uh, place of wickedness, really. If you want to think about it, you you know, you read through the book of Daniel, wicked things were happening. You know, people didn't love the Lord God, Jehovah. You know, they tried to make laws so Daniel couldn't pray to God. You know, the king later made a statue of himself, pure idolatry, worship me, bow down. So it's not a godly place. But God used his people in that place. And so I want you to obviously see this. And um, Daniel chapter one is where I want you to look with me because here are four men, young men that are separated unto the king uh, because they, they got the cream of the crop in the entire region and brought them in to be trained and to serve at the pleasure of the king. So you get into... Um, the, the fact that Daniel also Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego taken to Babylon for this purpose that I just showed you. And they were going to be trained, taught, uh, even their diet was going to be set by the king and the king's, uh, officials and staff to get these men to be the cream of the crop leaders of the land. And, um, the Bible says, And let's see, I'll I'll start reading uh, from verse one. I'll go Daniel one, one in the third year of the reign of uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and the nobility, youths without blemish, catch that, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Now, 
notice this, the ones he gathered unto himself already had a level of excellence and professionalism and learning in their life. So they didn't just randomly choose people to train. They said, I want you to already, I want you to find the cream of the crop. And then I want to train them here in the capital. So they take them back and, um, and look what happens. We're, we, uh, we're starting in Daniel one. And I started reading in verse one, Caitlin, love you, Isaiah. It was great to have you there. So notice this, the Bible says, uh, to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Verse five, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. And they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now their, their names were later changed, as you know, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, the tribe of Judah and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah, he called Shadrach, Mishael, he called Meshach and Azariah, he called Abednego. Now look at verse eight, because here's a key, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the King's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not defile himself And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And as the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord, my King. I fear my Lord, the King who assigns your food and your drink for why should you, why should he see that you were worse in condition? Catch this worse in condition than the youths who are of your own age. So you would endanger my head with the King. Then Daniel said to the steward from the chief of the eunuchs, had a sign over Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. Look at this. At the end of 10 days, it was seen they were better in appearance for honoring God. They were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams at the now watch. I want you to catch this now. And at the end of the time three years. When the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And as he spoke with them among all of them, none was found. Hallelujah. None was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, He found them 10 times better, hallelujah, than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So that was the whole chapter one of Daniel. And here's what I want you to catch. They decided to honor God, even though they were training for use by the king, they decided to honor God in everything they did even in their training, doing it as unto the Lord. Notice this, 
in a short period of time, 10 days, they were far better than the rest of the cream of the crop who were brought in. After the three-year period that the king had outlined, look at this, they were 10 times better. You talk about violent increase and expedited favor. Just for these men honoring God for three years, they were 10 times better. Think about that for a minute. 10 times better. I want you to think about it. Imagine what your life looks like when you honor God with your choices. When you honor God with the things that you do, you should be head and shoulders above the rest. That's not pride to say that. That's how it should be. You should be head and shoulders above the rest. What do I mean by that? Well, you've got people working with you that don't even serve the Lord. You've got people on your job. They're not serving God. They're not serving God. They're not honoring God with their actions and choices. <laughs> They're going out and getting drunk and coming into work. Some of them have, pro- I've worked with people before that have problems that keep them from even being uh, diligent workers that are dealing with drug addictions and alcoholism. And they got problems and they fight with everybody on the job and they can't get along with anybody that works for the company. I've seen this stuff. I've dealt with these people before. I know what it's like. And so you got people working with you They're not honoring God with their choices, with their actions. And so you should stand head and shoulders above the rest. You should stand head and shoulders above the rest. In fact, I want you to write it in the comments today. I should be head and shoulders above the rest. That's not pride. That is just pure, uh, what we would call cause and effect. Literally, the effect that I should have if my, if what I'm doing, the cause side is I'm serving the Lord, obeying his word, faithful to his covenant, the effect should be I'm head and shoulders above the rest. (laughs) I mean, write it in the comments. That's it. I should be head and shoulders above the rest. I like what Lynn Ann said. She didn't wait for should be. She said, I am head and shoulders above the rest. Amen. Amen. So catch this now. If I'm faithful to the covenant, if I'm faithful to the Lord, I should be head and shoulders above the rest, just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I shouldn't be scraping the bottom of the barrel. I shouldn't be struggling on my job. I should be head and shoulders above the rest. And so I'm going to give you those seven things today. Seven qualities that demand, that demand promotion in any workplace. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're volunteering somewhere. Doesn't matter if you're working uh, at a job. It doesn't matter. Your ministry. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you from the word of God. Catch this with me now. I'm going to break these down, give you some scripture and show you what the Bible says. And I'm going to start with the number one, that is the baseline that would cause promotion in anybody's life. Number one, put it in the comments. The first quality that demands promotion is love. And it's important that we start there because love is the greatest of any quality. Paul, the apostle wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said three things that remain 
uh, eternally, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, is love. Now, remember this, faith works by love. Faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6 tells us that, that faith works through love or by love. So bottom line is if you are trying to set your faith for greater things at a job, at a corporation to be promoted, to have a greater income, to bless your family at a greater level. Remember this, your faith for that thing cannot operate outside of love. If you don't walk in love, then just mark it down. Your faith cannot operate if love is not operating. Why do I say that? Well, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But what does the Bible teach us? God is love. I know you've read it many times. You've heard it preached many times. God is love. So think about that. If he is love and we step outside of love, what are we really doing? We're stepping outside of God's nature. We're stepping outside of God. If God is love and we stay outside of love, we're staying outside of God. And then now that we're outside of God's nature, character, and his presence, how could we please him with anything that we're doing if we're outside of him and God is love? So <clears throat> the reason that uh, love is the most powerful of those three eternal qualities is because it is God. Amen. Faith is not God. Faith just pleases God. Hope is not God but God will give you hope, but love is God. And so the reason I start with that, it must be your foundation. If you don't walk in love, I mean, if you don't walk in love, don't expect your faith to be explosive. Don't expect your faith to work if love's not working. And I know that that sounds like an elementary thing, but how many people have we watched that refuse to take control of their flesh, and even in moments where they don't feel like they can, still walk in love. I mean, there's a, we all, every single one of us on this broadcast and listening on the podcast, have times when our love walk is challenged. I mean, it's, it's challenged. Some of you have probably already had it challenged this morning. Maybe on your drive, wherever you're going. Maybe somebody cut you off in traffic. Maybe somebody said something uh, nasty to you on the way into whatever it might be. You probably already had your love walk challenge this morning and it's challenged all the time. It'll be challenged until Jesus comes because that's just how the world works. But as Christians, we don't step outside of love. We stay in love. And then our faith works in any situation as we stay in love. That's key. And so what I want to show you on your job, if faith is working by love and you're believing for promotion, you're believing for increase, all of the things that we have declared even on this broadcast and podcast, one of the things we have to know is this better be active in my life. If this isn't active, then my flesh has overtaken me. My flesh has overtaken me. I want you to write this and, and never forget it. Never forget it. Put it in the comments. My flesh will not cancel my love. 
My flesh will not cancel my love. Put that in the comments. Very, very important. My flesh will not cancel my love. Before we go to number two, because this is the thing that most Christians miss even on their job. I would watch, even when I worked for MasterCard, people that say, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church. They'd get all ticked off and cuss somebody out in the break room. You can't cuss people out in the break room and expect God to use you. You got to stay in love. My flesh will not cancel my love in Jesus name, in Jesus name. So I had to break that down and I know it sounds elementary, but it's got to be the first walking in love. Number two, the second thing, the second thing that demands uh, promotion in any workplace, any calling, any vision is diligence. Put it down. Number two, diligence. Very important. Put that in. Diligence. There's people that think they should be promoted because they show up. (laughs) I mean, honestly, there are people that think they should be promoted on their job just because they show up. There's people that do just enough not to get fired. Did you know that? You've worked with them before. People that do just enough not to be fired. They show up at 9.03. They clock out at 4.57. Just enough not to get fired. That is not a representation of Jesus Christ. It's not a representation of the Lord. It is not what Christians should be doing in order to receive the promotion they're believing for. Diligence is what God is looking for. Diligence in any area of your life, whether it's your Christian walk or whether it's your secular job, whatever it might be. You might be in ministry watching me. Diligence is key. Diligence. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 29. The Bible says, do you see a man who is uh, diligent in his work? One translation says skillful. He'll stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. That word diligent. Do you see a man that's diligent in his work? One translation, skillful in his work. So literally takes thought and presses in to be the best at what he does. I'm telling you, I I made up, Carolyn and I made up in our mind, we don't ever want to work with anybody that is not diligent. That's why anybody that's attached to this ministry, whoever it might be, they are diligent people. They're the best of the best. They're the best of the best. That's why, you know why I don't need 20 people on staff? Because I have the people that I have can do the work of 20 people with ease. You know why? Because they are not only talented, not only gifted, not only skilled, they're diligent. They're diligent. They think outside of the box. They, they do things that others wouldn't be willing to do. They work hard. They allow God to use them to solve problems. That's why they're connected to this ministry. That's why that we uh, have them with us because I don't want to have people that are a part of this ministry that are just clocking in, clocking out, don't have a vision for what God's doing, don't really care, just looking for a paycheck. I want people that have connected to the vision that are able, you know what? And of course, we'll always bless anybody that God connects to the ministry. But you know what? I'd rather have five people, 
you know, that are doing an amazing job that I can bless over and above and abundantly than I would just pay paychecks to 20 people that are all doing one thing and phoning it in. That's not God's way. Diligence is God's plan for his children. Diligence is. And the Bible says, if you see somebody who's diligent in their work, catch this, they will stand before Kings. Glory to God. They will not stand before mere men. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'll tell you. It means this, that my gift will be recognized because of my diligence. And I will actually be the one, think of it this way. I'll be the one that gets the big contracts. I'll be the one that is hired by the large corporations that's paid the big bucks. If you want to talk about today's uh, verbiage, I'll be the one that actually is able to, 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 uh, really be blessed through the gift and talent on my life. Not by laying it down and phoning it in, by being diligent. Did you realize David, here's, here's an interesting thought. David, who became King David, when Saul was the king and he was troubled by an evil spirit in his mind, the Bible says Saul called for somebody who could play skillfully on the harp. Notice that. So first of all, that takes you to have the ability to play the harp. And then number two, two, it took you the diligence to get good and become skillful at playing. That means you dedicated yourself to your gift of playing the harp. And notice they didn't have to search for somebody who was skillful at playing the harp. What did the the people tell the king? They said, oh, we already know somebody like that. Jesse's son, David is skillful at playing the harp. Notice this. Because of David's diligence to his gift, his reputation preceded him. Think about that. Because of his diligence to his gift, his reputation preceded him. They already knew who did well at that. Oh yeah, you need a harp player? David's the guy. David's the guy. What are they saying about you? What are they saying about you? Oh, you need, that's like a, I would say that today about, you know, Ted Melton. He might be watching my night, Ted Nashley Melton. You need something, you need some custom cabinets built. You need some things done. You need to call Ted Melton. Ted Melton is skilled. He's diligent. He's a hard worker. He's got integrity. You see what I'm saying? I already know ahead of time that if I need something like that done, I know who to call Ted Melton. Why? Because his reputation's preceding him. His reputation's preceding him. Why? Because of his diligence, because of his integrity, letting God use him. You see what I mean? And so your your reputation will precede you in Jesus name. Your diligence will cause your reputation to precede you. You'll be, by the way, if you didn't know this, the greatest, the greatest advertisement that you could ever have is not television. It's not uh, radio. It's not billboards. You know what it is? Word of mouth. You know what it is? It's word of mouth. I'll give you a story. I was just, as I told you in Ontario, Ohio, that region has a lot of Amish and Mennonite families. I did a leadership session on Saturday afternoon in Ontario, like Terry Keegan. 
Terry's got a new business. But you know what? Word of mouth will blow up, Terry. You won't even have to advertise because you won't be able to fulfill the jobs you've got on back order. Just from word of mouth. Just from word of mouth. Britt Lukens. You'll have so many cake pop orders just because of word of mouth that you won't even have to advertise. You won't even have to put, put stuff out in bakeries and in coffee houses. You won't even have to do that. Literally, just by word of mouth, you will have more than you can handle. Word of mouth is the best advertisement there is. But here's the question. Why would anybody recommend your business? Why would anybody recommend you? Here's the answer. Diligent, skillful work. Nobody. You know why? Let me tell you something. You know why I bet, I bet you money. I mean, I haven't talked to any, you know, general contractors or anything like that, but that, that know Ted Melton and Ashley Melton, but you know what? I bet you, cause I have talked to general contractors. If you ask the ones that work with Ted Melton, why do you like to have him to come in on your jobs and do the cabinets and do the stuff in the, in the houses? You know what I bet they would answer? The man's always on time. He's never drunk. He's never high. He's always full of integrity. Let me tell you something. Anyone watching me that has dealt in the construction world, that, or maybe even had construction at your house done or whatever, and you've spoken with general contractors, one of the biggest problems that GCs have in the industry is that they can't hardly find contract subcontractors that will show up on time, that will not be drunk or hung over when they show up or not be high when they show up or won't lie to them about what they've done or the, you know, or even do quality work. It's one of the most massive problems that plagues the construction industry today. If you know it, throw a hand in the comments if you know what I'm talking about. They can't find people who will be diligent and full of integrity. And I bet you money that when they work with Ted Melton or any of you that are full of integrity and diligence, they say, man, I love it. Hope we never lose him. Hope we never lose contact because he's always on time, always is fair, always full of integrity, always sober, never high, never drunk. Amen. That's a blessing. I tell you what, general contractors love you for that kind of stuff. Well, what is that? It's diligence. It's faithfulness. It's not being flippant with your job. It's not being flippant with your life. And of course, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be getting drunk and high anyway. But ser- seriously, this will set you a cut above. This puts your head and shoulders above the rest. You know, if you worked in the construction industry, j- if you were a subcontractor, just by you being full of the Holy Ghost, literally, just by you being not a liar, not somebody who gets drunk and high, not somebody who's always trying to cheat somebody out of another dollar, just by that, literally. See that? My husband was at a general country. He never drunk, wasn't lazy. That's how you excel. And that's working for the Lord. That's how you work for the Lord. Literally, I'm going to work as though if I'm a subcontractor, my general contractor is Jesus Christ himself. That's how I'm working. That's how I'm working. My general contractor is Jesus Christ himself. It's not this dude I'm working for on the job. It's Jesus. If I'm a Christian, I work like I'm working for Jesus. And that that changes how you work. 
So am I going to lie? Let me ask you a question. Am I going to pad my invoices? If I work for Jesus, am I going to pad my invoices and try to put stuff on there to get more money out of the GC and out of the job than I actually worked for? Am I going to lie and fraudulently cheat Jesus if I'm working for him? No. Am I going to show up drunk to meet with Jesus? Am I going to show up high to meet with Jesus? No. I'll be on time. I'll be sober and vigilant and in my right mind to meet with Jesus. That's what, that's what diligence does. That's what it is. And when you have it, then God puts you head and shoulders above the rest. See that? Ted knows. Terry knows. He works with it. He said, it's true. It's exactly what's going on. And so as we as Christians, if we will walk in love, number one, and if we'll be diligent people, that puts us right there. Just those two put us head and shoulders above the rest. Just those two. Just those two. Wilson said, if you were to hire someone like me, computer technician, video editor, what would you want me to do to excel for you? Here's the answer to questions like that is think outside of the box, Wilson. And don't just work for your hours, but literally think of things you could be doing to excel more and beyond what I'd asked you to do. Anticipate what they want before they want it and provide options of things. You know, people like to be given choices. They like to be given options, provide options, provide choices, be diligent. And you know what? Anticipate their desires, anticipate what they would want. Always be current with what's going on in the industry. Don't look, don't look like the things that you produce are from 1997. You know, be diligent, be the best. You know, can I rival? You know, talk about being a computer technician, video editor. Can I put out a product that rivals a commercial Pepsi might do or, or something that you might see on, you know, Fox News or whatever it might be? Can I put out something that would rival that? And if not, work towards that goal. How could I copy that until I get those skills down? It's diligence. I want to be the best of the best in my industry. So that just like David, if somebody said, I need somebody that's skillful playing on a harp, they think Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Oh, I I know somebody that's skillful on a harp. I know somebody that does video editing really well. Oh, I know a photographer that would blow it up. And they think of your name first and then word of mouth kicks in. And I will be honest with you. I have eaten, uh, I have eaten cake pops before, but I promise you this. I'm not just saying it because I know Britt Lukens, but I can tell you this. They're without a doubt. And by far the best I've ever eaten, best I've ever eaten. I mean, mouthwateringly good. And so let me tell you something. She's put her time into that. She's perfected that she's working at that to make them the best of the best of the best. Even corporations don't sell better ones. I mean, Starbucks doesn't have better ones. You know, you go to different uh, bakeries, they don't have better ones. So you understand something. When you work to be diligent, your name gets thrown out first. You get thrown out for, oh, I know somebody that does that. You got to, there was a book that came out a few years ago. It's called Contagious. It's by Dr. Jonah Berger really changed a lot of my thinking. And the book actually was a study, a 10-year study on why anybody would share a thought or share anything with anyone. Why would anyone talk about your church? 
Why would anyone talk about your restaurant? Why would anybody talk about your construction company? Why would anybody share you with someone else? Why would anyone uh, share your YouTube video? You know, and they did a study on it and they found six reasons why. But I, I started to realize as I was reading that, that one of the things that happens is, is that they were teaching these things. They drive word of mouth and they make you want to tell somebody about an amazing experience that you had. That's what blew my mind about this book. It was because, you know, and I've said this on the broadcast before, but think about this. If you go onto a website like Yelp or something like that, where you can leave reviews on restaurants and businesses, you would think that the majority of businesses would have negative reviews because the only people that would go on to leave a review is if they were ticked off because something didn't go right. Because we all expect our meals to be right, the business to be right. That's how business runs. We expect it to be right. And so you'd think if that were the case, people would only go on to leave a review if it was bad. But do you know that they actually showed that the majority of reviews on Yelp are positive reviews, not negative reviews. Now stop and think about that for a minute. Positive reviews, not negative reviews. So that shows you people are jumping on to share their positive experiences. And that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. When you as a Christian are providing positive experiences through your dedication to Christ, your love, your diligence. We're going to move on to the other five in a second. But when you do that, let me tell you what happens. People want to share. You know why? Uh, and I'll give you a secret from the book. One of the things that you'll know, people want to get the recognition of being the one that hooked you up with a good experience, right? If, if people want to be like, Remember, I sent you that guy. He hooked you up, didn't he? He did. He did. He redid your bathroom. He did. He redid your closet, whatever it might be. I was remember, I sent you that guy. People, they've proven this. People want to be the one who who sent you that good experience. Remember, I, I told you to call that guy. Isn't he awesome? I'm telling you, he does the best work of anybody I know. People want that. It actually gives the referrer a they've proven this some sort of a uh, a social rush when they're the one that got to refer you to somebody that does a phenomenal job. And then somehow you get like a credit for it in your mind socially because yeah, I'm the one that showed you that guy. And so that's what happens and that's what will happen with you and your business and your, and your life, whatever you're doing for the Lord, people will start talking about the good things you're doing, how excellent you are. And then before you know it, so I, I meant to tell you this, when I was in Ontario, they said, there's a guy there's or not a guy, a company. It's a Mennonite construction company that does all this different stuff. And they said, um, they don't advertise anywhere. Like they were telling me this in the, the leadership meeting. <laughs> Think about this. This Mennonite company builds 100 homes a year. Average builds a hundred homes a year. That's two homes a week. <laughs> Think about that. They build two homes a week. And so this is what they said. They don't advertise anywhere. Everything they get is that all they have is like out, of, out on their farm on one of the fences, they have like a little sign that says whatever Mennonite construction company. 
and they don't advertise and they just have word of mouth and it blows up. Build a hundred homes a year, two homes a week and they're killing it. Why? Word of mouth. Why? Because what they were telling me, they said they build the very best homes that you could imagine. The quality is through the roof. What is that? It's diligence. The guy said, I was talking to him. He said, we're Christians too. We understand how you operate. We're serve the Lord. Doing it as unto the Lord. Diligence. That'll be your story in Jesus' name. Number three, the third thing that you have to have as a quality in your life in order to see that promotion, whatever you're doing, faithfulness. Faithfulness is number three. Understand this, love, then diligence, then faithfulness. There's my friend, Pastor Brian Tomes. I love you, buddy. Can't wait to see you. Number three, put it in the comments, faithfulness. Look at that. Britt said, got into my first coffee shop with the cake pops by word of mouth. That's exactly what I'm talking about, man. It's going to continue. You're going to blow up. You'll have to hire staff and teach them the recipe to start making all the orders that are going to come in. No question. Faithfulness. So what's the difference between diligence and faithfulness? Diligence is your attention to your work. And faithfulness is consistently doing your work. (laughs) It it makes a difference. It makes a difference. It's like, you know, I know a dude that like, man, he does the best at this, but he only, he only works about once a month. So it's like, what's the point? I can never get a hold of you because you only work once a month. But when you do work, man, it's great. The excellence is through the roof, but it's not just diligence. It's faithfulness. Being willing day after day after day, when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, when you're happy, when people try to make you angry, no matter what it is, none of that will phase me or affect me. Faithfulness. It's like like when you're a volunteer at a church, ask any pastor, any pastor will tell you what we're struggling with is developing faithful volunteers that will show up, that will do their job, that will come on time. You know, I used to play, I was a music director for a number of years. And um, one of the things that we had, I had a bass player that played with me. Phenomenal skill, excellent skills. I mean, he was very, very talented, very, very gifted. Could never get the guy to show up on time, ever. He He would not show up on time. I mean, it was like, it was a plague unto me. It was a plague unto me. So like, you know, we'd show up Sunday morning to do church and, and, you know, the band would all show up. We were supposed to be there. Service was at 10. We were supposed to be there at 830 in the morning to practice. So be there 830, set up, practice, be ready to go for the service. And that's when we'd all show up. 830, drummer, 830, piano player, 830, guitar player, 830. I mean, you go aux keys, 830. And church started at 10. And the average time that my bass player would show up on a Sunday morning was 9.58. 9.58. That is like ridiculous. Well, he must have lived far from the church. He lived less than three miles from the church. There, now, let me tell you, I'm not even joking about this. There were times that we would have started the service. I know this is like unbelievable. You can't even believe it. We would have started the service 
doing praise. We'd be singing the first song and he'd eke into the back of the church with his bass already strapped on a wave. Like you want me to come up and plug in? And I'm sitting there looking like, give me a break. We've started church. You genius. You live three miles from the church. And it would blow my mind. It was like no faithfulness. I had to let him, I had to let him go. I had to sit him down. Couldn't take it anymore. I mean, correction after correction after correction doesn't take correction, doesn't change, won't change. So look, here, here's, uh, and let me be honest with you. Let me be very honest with you. If I'm an employer and I'm employing you, I could have the, the choice between you and another person. You could be extremely skilled at this job, extremely talented and gifted, but you're not faithful. But I've got another guy that's about 80% or even 70% as skilled as you are, talented and gifted as you are at this job, but they are faithful on top of faithful. Like they're always faithful. I promise you this as an employer, I will choose 70% dude 100% of the time, 100% of the time, 100% of the time, I'll choose him over the gifted guy that's not always faithful. Always. You know why? Because your, your skills can advance. Your talents can advance. Your giftings can advance. But if someone has it in their heart that they aren't faithful, that's a hard thing to change because it normally stems from some sort of pride. Huh. Thank you, Lord. Put it in the comment section. Unfaithfulness stems from pride. Unfaithfulness stems from pride and pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Put that down. Unfaithfulness stems from pride. Well, I don't need to be early. I don't need to be there all the time. You know, they, I, you know, I, that's how people start thinking. It stems from pride. I'm sure he thought, well, I don't need to practice. I don't need to be with those guys. I know the songs. I don't need to get in there an hour and a half early. I know I don't need to practice. I'm better than that. Pride. It stems from pride. Unfaithfulness stems from pride. So number three, third quality you've got to have is faithfulness without question. Number four, let's put it in the comments. Fourth quality that you must have in order to be promoted in any area, self-control. Got to have self-control. If you don't have self-control, you're not going to be useful to anybody. Can't get along with your fellow workers. Can't get along with the volunteers at church. Can't get along with the parking lot team and the other greeters and the other ushers and the other worship team members. And can't get along with the people on your, uh, on your, uh, crew at the construction, always fighting, always getting into cussing matches with people in a no self-control. That's why guys show up, um, on the job with, um, construction crews, drunk, high, you know, no self, they can't control themselves. Obviously many times because they're not even Christians. So their flesh controls them. But if you're a Christian, you got to have self-control. If you don't have self-control, which I believe is the most important of all the fruit of the spirit, because they're all choices and without self-control, you'll never choose any of them. 
But without self-control, you'll never be promoted. Think about this. Even what I just said a moment ago, your talent can increase, your gifts can increase, you, you know, all those things. How do they increase? Because you dedicate yourself to developing your gift, but that takes self-control. See, Britt Brit just said, Jake has lots of stories like that from his work. Everyone just flies off of the handle for no reason. No self-control. They got no self-control. Cussing at everybody, threatening to fight everybody. I'll leave this job right now, cussing your boss off. I don't need you. I don't need this paycheck storming out, coming back. No, boy, I do need you to hire me back. I'm sorry, I was having a bad day. You've got no self-control. Say whatever comes to your mind. So self-control is a must. If you're going to be promoted, you must control your flesh. <laughs> You've got to control your flesh. Has to be done. And so one of the things the Bible teaches us in Galatians 5, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. No question. It's a fruit of the Spirit. We have to operate in the fruit of the Spirit to please the Lord. Imagine how nice it would be. I mean, let me, let me say it on the flip side. How many of you watching me by the show of a, an emoji hand in the comment section have ever worked with someone, volunteered with someone, or even just knew someone that was an emotional roller coaster? How many of you have ever dealt with that where when you first got around them for the day, you had to kind of walk on eggshells to, to like kind of feel out what mood they're in that day? I mean... Literally, put a hand up. Look at all the people. It's amazing. Look how all the hands. It's, it's unbelievable. You know someone that's an emotional roller coaster. If you're listening on the podcast, you're probably lifting your hand wherever you're listening to it from. I mean, we know people like that. They, they cannot control their emotions. And so as a result... They're up one day, down the next, angry one day, peaceful the next. You got to like walk on eggshells, be like, okay, when I talk to this person, what mood are they going to be in today? Um, are they going to bite my head off? Are they going to be peaceful today? Are they going to be funny today? Are they going to be depressed today? You know, what is it? No self-control. Your feelings run you. You don't run your feelings. It's a dangerous place to be. Your feelings run you. You can't gain victory over your, over your own emotions. That's a very dangerous place to be, and it must be corrected. Must be corrected. Your, if your feelings rule you, you will never, ever succeed in what God calls you to do because you'll be feelings-driven. You'll not be spirit-led. You can't, let me say this. It's something you ought to write down and put in the comments. You can't be feelings-driven and spirit-led at the same time. Put it in the comments, man. That's one for Twitter if you have it. You can't be feelings-driven and spirit-led at the same time. Amen. I can't be feelings-driven and spirit-led at the same time. I mean, I feel like that's a piece of content that needs to go out. From your account and mine. Because people need to hear it. These Christians that think they're all spiritual, they're always driven by their emotions. You're not spiritual. You're fleshly. You're soulish. You're soulish. And so it's, you can't be feelings driven and spirit led at the same time. 
I suppress my feelings because they come from the flesh and the soul. And I allow my spirit man to lead and guide my actions, self-control. And if you'll do that, can I tell you the number of bosses, (laughs) CEOs, whatever, that will appreciate you on the team because you won't be one of the ones that at any moment is ready to blow up at any moment is ready to throw in the towel and scream at somebody. No maturity in the spirit is self control, self control. That's number four. Let's hit number five. The fifth thing that you've got to have operating in your life is this. You have got to have, oh, my screen just went black. Let me pop it back open. By the way, timestamp that because I'm going to make that a piece of content about, because people need to hear that. People need to hear that you can't, especially in the church, you can't be feelings driven and spirit led at the same time. It does not work. It does not, will not work. And I'm going to push that hard because people need to hear it. Number five is peace. Got to have peace. Peace is key. And the Bible says blessed are the peacemakers. So I want you to catch this. There will be escalations on the job. There will be escalations on volunteer positions. There will be other people. See, here's the problem. You can't control what other people do, but you can control what you do. I can't control what other people do, but I can control what I do. And so here's the key. If I will be the peacemaker, now watch this. I'm not just the one who's coming in operating in self-control, but now I am a force in my office, on the job, at the volunteer position. I am a force that is spreading self-control. Think about that. I am a force that is spreading self-control. So now when other people are about to blow up, I'm the guy that comes in and says, hey, hey, chill out. You don't have to cuss them out. You don't have to go into the office and scream at the boss. Just take it easy. Think about it for a minute. Let's just, let's just chill out. You know, when you're the peacemaker, now you don't just have self-control. You are actually infecting your office with self-control. Probably the wrong time of uh, wrong year to use the word infecting, but still, You are spreading self-control in your own environment. So what's happening? The Bible says you become a peacemaker and there's a blessing that comes on peacemakers. If you're, you know, God doesn't like uh, there to be that kind of uh, vitriol and always having all kinds of problems and confrontations and then you're outside of love. God doesn't want that. God wants you to walk in love and peace and that atmosphere of love, joy, and peace. So when you're spreading it, there's a blessing that comes on you because you are actually pushing God's agenda forward, love, joy, and peace. And so I'm going to become the peacemaker. I don't just have peace. I'm going to spread peace. I'll be the one that chills people out. Hey, take it easy for me. You know what? Let's take a walk. Let's take a walk together. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you today. And then what do you do? Diffuse the whole situation. Has anybody, by the way, with a show of hands, 
Who knows somebody that's an instigator? <laughs> it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite, man. You ever met an instigator? You know, we, I, when I was growing up in high school, man, you always had them everywhere. If, if two people were even starting to talk loud to each other, they'd start the chant, fight, fight, fight. I mean, they were, they were ready to see conflict. They were ready to see fights. Who knows some instigators? <laughs> it's like they thrive on drama. It's like they thrive on drama and anger. It's like, bro, I can't live like that. I mean, that might be how you live. I can't live like that. I am literally making choices more and more to separate myself from uh, relationships that all they do is bring, uh, you know, drama. I can't deal with it. I can't live with it. I'm not living with drama relationships. Oh, I do it with my cousin jokingly because we, we love to do it. But I'm talking about for real, instigating people into fights and anger and problems. You know, it's, that's, it's wrong. That's why we've got to make up our minds. We're going to be the peacemakers. We're going to step in and in love and in joy. We're going to take the responsibility to be the one who, who actually, you're right. And Cora's exactly right in Facebook. Cora, for those of you listening and those on other platforms said, our culture is addicted to anger and rage to be heard. That is exactly right. We live in this enraged culture, an angry culture. No question. It's an antichrist culture. I mean, everything you see going on, that's not the spirit of Christ. That's the spirit of antichrist. Antichrist. Let me just say this plainly. If you see a BLM march come down the street in a video and there are people eating in an outdoor cafe, just eating their dinner, and members of the BLM protest march approach their table only because they're white, supposedly white supremacists or, you know, some kind of white Western patriarchal society that they've, you know, that's oppressed everybody, and they just start flipping their tables over smashing their drinks, smashing their food and spitting in their face and, and yelling, screaming and start slapping them. That is an antichrist spirit, antichrist. I hope you would know by now that black lives matter is an antichrist movement. Antichrist. I would hope you would see that by now. I mean, it took a while for people to finally be able to understand it, but I hope you would understand it by now that the movement itself is antichrist. It's an instigating antichrist uh, mentality. It's not doing anything at all to help black people at all, who we love. I mean, if you're a Christian, you support all people and you love all people and you reach all people. But understand what you're seeing in culture right now, it's antichrist, anti-God society. And she's exactly right. That's exactly what I'm talking about today. What Christ-like does what a Christ-like attitude does, a Christ-like person is a peacemaker, not an instigator. And if you're like that on the job, an instigator rather than a peacemaker, you'll never be, you'll probably be fired. But promotion comes from peace and making peace. Number six, I want to give you this. This is a huge one. You have an advantage when you take advantage of the Holy Spirit as your teacher. This is massive. This is absolutely massive. 
I have an advantage. You have an advantage. What is it? The Holy Spirit who teaches us, hallelujah, all things. He teaches us all things. I want you to put this in the comments. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. Write it in. Go to 1 John chapter 2 and look at this. This is what I'm talking about. This is your advantage. Teaches me all things. There's nothing I can't know, nothing I can't do. Well, my mind, brother, it just doesn't work like that. I don't understand this. I don't understand. No, don't say that if you're a Christian with the Holy Ghost. You can't make that claim if you're a Holy Ghost Christian. (laughs) Excuses have gone out the window. Look at this. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you. This is 1 John 2, 27. It abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you abide in him. So the Holy Spirit who abides in us has the ability to teach us all things. What does John call him? in the gospel of John chapter 16 calls him the spirit of truth and he leads and guides us into all truth. So if we have the teacher living in us who has all truth and can guide us into all truth, the Bible's very clear. We don't have any need that any man should teach us. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I was one time I was getting ready to do a, um, a youth conference and I've, by the, literally the teaching of the Holy Spirit, who's anointed my mind, I've learned from a, a age of early twenties, late teens, you know, how to use Photoshop and uh, edit video and do graphics and all these different things. I've just, I've had no training in it. I didn't go to college for it, but, um, I do it. I do it all the time. I've, I've done it for years. And I can remember I was the guest speaker at a youth conference and I had designed all of these postcards that were handouts with my notes on them, but they were full graphics and everything. And I gave them out to every young person in the church so they could follow my teaching on the notes that I designed for them. And um, I shipped them to the church. And when the, when the youth pastor got them, he looked at them when I arrived and he said, oh, brother Ted, he said, man, I wish I could do what you do with all of this stuff for the youth. You know, I wish I could do graphics and websites and stuff like that. He said, I just, I'm just not good with computers. That's what he told me. I'm just, I don't know about computers. And I cut him off. And I said, hold on. I said, I thought you were filled with the Holy Ghost. And he kind of was like taken back by that. He was like, well, I am filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm I'm Holy Ghost filled. I said, then don't ever tell me again that you can't do something. And then I took him to that verse. The Bible says, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit teaches us all things that we have the mind of Christ, which we'll get to in a moment. We, he teaches us all things. He leads us and guides us into all truth. So number six is this. We've got an advantage because we're filled with the teacher. Think about that. 
You will excel beyond people at your job because you'll be able by the Holy Ghost to understand things that others are having trouble understanding. You'll be able to solve things and solve problems other people just can't seem to solve. They can't understand it. They don't know how to get it done, but you'll be the efficient one. You'll be the problem solver. You'll be the one the boss will call on because he knows you can get it done. You'll be the one that gets the promotion because they'll see they're too excellent to just be the, the worker. They're, they're too faithful, too excellent, and too competent. They need to be the manager of the other workers. They need to be the regional manager of all the other managers. See, they'll see this about you. Just like they saw it about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They'll see. They'll see it. I mean, look at Britt. I've never taken any sort of baking or decorating class. The spirit of God is in you. He is the spirit of truth and he's the teacher. If he's in you as the teacher, catch this now, you have an advantage above your fellow workers. And then number seven, let me give this to you because it's huge. This is huge. Wouldn't be, wouldn't matter if you had a teacher, if you didn't have the ability to retain the knowledge. So let me give you number seven. You've got the mind of Christ. Put it in the comments section. I've got the mind of Christ. I've got the mind of Christ. That's right. Ashley Melton said all things means all things. Guess who taught her to be a day trader? The Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Ghost. Ashley, if I'm telling the truth, put your hands up in the comments section. Let them know what I'm talking about. God did that for her. Wasn't any man. Wasn't any college, wasn't any course that she took. It was the Holy Ghost that began to lead her and guide her into doing the things she's doing and that God gave her the favor because not only does she have the Holy Spirit as her teacher, she's got the mind of Christ. Look at that. She said it was only the Holy Ghost. That's exactly right. And now God's blessing her abundantly, blessing Ted abundantly. Why? Because they listen to the Holy Ghost. And when you listen to the Holy Ghost, he's your teacher. And then what? You've got the mind of Christ to retain that knowledge. And let me go beyond that because here's another benefit of the mind of Christ. To communicate clearly those things to others. To communicate. So if I'm on my job, I don't just have the Holy Spirit telling me the things to do. Number two I've got the mind of Christ, which gives me the ability to wrap my head around the things I'm learning and then communicate or help others to see the solution. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. I mean, think about when Joseph got brought out of prison and the, the, the Pharaoh said, I had these dreams. I don't know what they mean. And Joseph had the help of God. And understanding from the Lord, oh, I know the dreams and I know what they mean. And I can not only know what they mean, I know what the interpretation is, but I can clearly communicate that interpretation to you so that you understand it. And watch this so that you can take the proper steps of wisdom to go around the problem. What did Joseph, what did Joseph know? Joseph knew by the king, by Pharaoh's dreams, that famine was coming. Isn't that right? 
You remember the story of Joseph? Remember the, remember the, the story of him being the interpreter of the king's dreams? And what happens? Comes out of prison, interprets Pharaoh's dreams, and says, here's the issue of what you're seeing. There's going to be seven years of abundance in the land, and then there's going to be seven years of famine in the land. King Pharaoh was so impressed by Joseph that he made him the second most powerful person in the kingdom, which meant at that time in the world. Egypt was it. If you don't know, Egypt was it. And when Pharaoh said, you're going to be number two, the only thing, the only person you won't be higher than is me. Joseph, by the hand of God, was raised up above anybody else. And as he was able to have God's understanding, he also had the ability to carry out the plan that would bring that provision that was needed during seven years of famine to Egypt and the surrounding areas. You know the story. It even allowed him to bless his own father and brothers. Glory to God. Why? Supernatural understanding. And that's what you have. You have supernatural understanding. You've got the mind of Christ. I've never taken one piano lesson. Those of you know that I lead praise and worship. I play the piano. It's not because I've ever taken a piano lesson. I didn't go to college for music. I don't have a degree in music, but the Holy Ghost who teaches all things. And it obviously was part of my purpose. He not only imparted it to me, but also he allowed me to see it through the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit taught me all things. That's where you're going to be. You're going to be promoted in whatever you're doing because of these seven things, love, diligence, faithfulness, self-control, being a peacemaker and walking in peace, having the Holy Ghost as your teacher and the mind of Christ. Glory to God. That's how it functions. That's how it works. And let me explain the importance of this to you because as we are coming into, now if you think this is arbitrary teaching, it is not. And I'm going to tell you why. As we are coming into the final moments of time, Jesus Christ is getting ready to return to this earth. Every one of us as believers have a purpose to win the lost, to reap the harvest. Even if we're working a job, even if we're doing, I think of, uh, I just pick a name that I saw in the comments today, Ben Full, my buddy from Georgia. Uh, who I'll get to see in a couple of weeks. Um, though he is a diligent worker and he's volunteering his time at the church and he's playing on the worship team, but he's working his job. God is using him mightily. Nobody could probably even understand what he's doing. He explained it to me one time. I still didn't understand it, but God's anointed his mind. He's doing it. But even though Ben is not traveling around the world holding crusades, he's still a mighty part of the kingdom that's reaping the lost because in his success in business, in what God's blessed him to do. Now, guess what? He's a blessing. He's a blessing to his church, a major blessing. He's a blessing to this ministry, a major blessing. What I want you to see is in his calling, in his purpose, just like many of you that are watching 
in your calling, in your purpose, God has made you extremely impactful in the kingdom of God through your business, through your work. The work of your hands is blessed. And if God blesses the work of your hands, it's so that you can be a blessing. So don't think that this is some arbitrary thing. This is God himself raising you up to be a blessing in the final moments of time. If we don't work together as believers before Jesus comes, the harvest will not be reaped as it should be reaped. That's why it takes every one of us being faithful to what the Lord's called us to do and then working as though we are working on as unto the Lord himself. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Think about that. You know, the Bible, people, people act like the Bible um, <laughs> somehow uh, is for slavery because they don't understand the context of scripture. Um, but when you read even Paul's writings where he's talking about being servants, being faithful to their masters, the word in the Greek is the word doulos, which means a bond servant or someone who put themselves in the debt of a person to pay off their debt. So it'd be, it'd be like if I owed somebody $40,000 rather than giving them cash because I don't have it, I'm going to go and say, I'm going to work for you until my debt is worked off. That's what a bond servant was. It's somebody who chose to be in the debt of somebody else. Paul said, we are bond servants of Jesus Christ. We are. And so we work for him because we love him. There's a debt we cannot pay. He paid it for us. And I'm, all, I'm forever grateful to the Lord for redeeming me from the curse of sin and sickness and poverty through his precious blood. I can never repay that, but what am I going to do? I've joined myself to him as a bond servant to work for him for the rest of my life, to do what he says and to do what his word says. So it doesn't matter if I'm not called into the fivefold ministry, I could be working as a contractor. I could be working as a business owner. I could be working as a restaurateur. It doesn't matter what I'm doing is going to impact the kingdom because I'm working as unto the Lord. And my life in my business, my ministry, whatever I'm doing, it's going to be as unto the Lord. And the reason for that is God's going to use every one of us in a mighty way to see this generation changed supernaturally before Jesus comes back. I mean, if that's your heart, if that's what you're believing God to do through you, let me see a, a hand in the comments section. If, if you believe that God's using you to impact a final generation before Jesus comes. I mean, if that's your heart, if that's your desire, let me see who you are. Because that's the understanding we must have before Jesus comes. I'm going to do whatever I can to see the soul saved, to see this generation impacted, to make sure things are turning. I'm seeing the hands. Of course, that's what I'm believing. That's what we're believing. And that's why God's joined us together. I look into the comments, see so many people that we know, so many faces we know, so many, so many names that we've become acquainted with through the broadcast. Let me tell you something. God's joined us together for a purpose. Amen. I'm going to pray here at the end of this broadcast that number one, God would, 
not only as you do these things, God would put a mighty right hand of promotion upon your life. Because never forget this. Promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord. And he decides who will rise and who will fall, the Bible says. And so let me pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man, every woman that's watching or listening. I ask you now that you would do what your word says, that you, by your power, would lift them up. Your word declares you decide who will rise and who will fall. As we obey this word in perfect humility, Lord, we thank you that our promotion is coming from you. We thank you that doors are opening for jobs, better jobs, promotions are coming to us, increases, bonuses, raises. We're going to see it take place. Benefits, commissions, sales. I thank you, Lord. It's going to happen quickly that we'll be made managers and regional managers and that we'll be given our own uh, uh, districts and, and sections of the company to, to, to develop and to grow in. That's going to be our story in Jesus' name. Lord, if we own our own businesses, if we're entrepreneurs, you're going to have doors fly wide open for us. And we're going to see by word of mouth, people just literally telling you got to hire and the calls will come in more than we can handle. We'll have to hire staff to continue doing what you're providing for us to do. Lord, let that quickly take place in these final four months of 2020. Let us see extreme violent increase and expedited favor. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we will continue to do all we do as unto you to honor you with our work, with our lives. We'll be faithful to your house. We'll be faithful to your vision. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout a loud amen. Throw some fire in the comments section. And as we do, let me encourage you on this Tuesday, before we get ready to go to Montana, before we do the rest to impact the nation with this gospel, let me encourage you to sow a seed today. Sow a seed by faith. Maybe you haven't done so. Maybe this is one of your first times ever watching the broadcast. Maybe you're a faithful partner. Let me ask you this. I'm encouraging people and challenging people to stand with Carolyn and with me and this ministry in monthly partnership. What would the Lord tell you to do? Would you pray and ask him today? We're asking God for a thousand people that would stand with us at $85 a month or more. That's a thousand dollars a year. Maybe you can sow a thousand dollars right now. Whatever it is the Lord tells you to do, be faithful. Maybe you say, man, brother Ted, man, I can't, I can't partner yet at $85 a month. I'm just not there yet. Listen, do what you can do. Do what the Lord's asked you to do and watch as God blesses you and he will bless you. That's the word of God. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will he cause men and women to give into your bosom? You're going to be blessed in these final four months. You're going to increase. It's very easy to do. You see it on the screen. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can look into the uh, description. We have links you can click on, but you can go to miracleword.com. Thank you, Britt. You can do like Britt's doing and use hashtag donate right in the comments section on uh, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitter. It's not available on YouTube, but you can always go to miracleword.com and you can click on the give page and you can set up that monthly seed that you'd like to sow or a one-time seed. If you're in the U.S., you can use Cash App or Venmo. Our username is uh, dollar sign miracle word. 
Uh, it's the same on Venmo. It's at Miracle Word and PayPal as well. If you'd like to mail a check, there's people that still like to do that. You can go to our website and on the footer of every page is our mailing address. We say thank you. Really, really appreciate you. Listen, and I have a big announcement I'm going to give you in just a second, so stick around for that. But um, let me say this, for everybody that is standing with us at $85 or more this month, we're going to give you this awesome book by our pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, Speak to the Void. This revelation will open your eyes to the power of faith and confession, how you can speak to the seen that's void and bring something from the unseen that will be created. It's a creative force of your words. This is a revelation every Christian needs. And Bishop was so kind. He signed all of these books for you. So you're going to receive a signed copy, hard copy, uh, not a paperback, a hard copy of Speak to the Void from Bishop Rick Thomas, our pastor. And that's our gift to you. For those of you that are sewing this month, what we need you to do is go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. If you'd like to receive this book, fill out the form so we know where to mail it and, uh, and we know where you sowed your seed. And that's our way of saying thank you for those that are standing at $85 or more a month. For those that are sowing largely uh, $1,000 or more in your seed, we're going to send you a limited edition hardcover of Further Faster along with Bishop's book. And then also, as you know, a genuine leather life application study Bible, which in my opinion is one of the greatest study tools all in one that you could have in your hands. And so we're going to make that our gift to you for those that are sowing $1,000 or more. Listen, got a big announcement for you, which I'm so excited about. This week, this week, my friend, Brother Joel Stockstill. Thank you, Rainier. My friend, Pastor Joel Stockstill, is going to be joining me on the broadcast Thursday. You're not going to want to miss this broadcast. He's one of my dearest friends. He's a powerful man of God, powerful preacher. He's a Holy Ghost, fourth generation preacher. And uh, he's a mighty man of God. We're going to have a phenomenal broadcast together on Thursday. You don't want to miss it. I've asked him to come. He was kind enough. He's the one that wrote the foreword uh, to the latest book, Further Faster. Joel Stockstill wrote the foreword to that. And he's going to be with me hanging out here in the studio. We're not doing it by Skype. He's not calling in. He's coming to the studio. And uh, I can't wait to see him. We're going to have a blessed time. Share it. We'll put out stuff for you guys to share. But uh, here's a man that built probably, when he, was, when he was helping his father in Louisiana, built the largest youth group in the nation. Over 3,000 students, I think it was close to 4,000 students in a youth group, built the largest youth ministry in the nation. God's used him to impact people all over this country and other countries. And it's my honor and I'm blessed to have him with us. So don't miss Thursday, man. It's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it. I love you guys so much. I'm going to be back again tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m. Carolyn's going to be with me. We're going to have a blast. Thanks for hanging with me today. I love you. And I'll see you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.